What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today is episode three of our short-term rental series. I've got Chad and Ashley Whitaker on the call from North Georgia, and they have grown their short-term uh, rentals, and they've also grown this mid-term rental that we're going to talk about today. And uh, we talk a lot about furnishing the property, managing on your own, a couple things that we haven't covered in the previous two episodes, so I hope you guys enjoy it. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody, we are back. And episode three, this is our third episode on short-term rentals. I'm really excited. We might do more. Um, this has been really popular. A lot of people have been asking for it. They've loved the show. They love the show with Spencer, love the show with Avery. And now I have my good friends, Chad and Ashley Whitaker on the podcast today. They were uh, Runway members. I still remember walking with them in October of 2019 when they decided to come to Flip Hacking Live. Like last minute, I think they paid a lot of money for their tickets, so please don't do that. If you're thinking about coming to the event, just buy them early. And uh, came and I would I was going on walks in the morning and they were like running past me multiple times. And uh, we got a chance to kind of get to know each other a little bit. They joined the runway program and recently have lifted off to altitude, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit. But they're buying short-term rentals right now and um, like actively pursuing this. This is the path, we'll hear more about that. But uh, I wanna welcome to the show, Chad and Ashley. What's up guys? Hey, hey Bill. Hey. It's, you know, we're excited to be here. Uh, it's, we appreciate you having us on the show. So let's get into it. You guys have been on the show before too. So what we'll do in the show notes is we'll link back to that. And that way somebody that's listening can see like how far you guys have come. And, and frankly, you guys can go back and listen to it and go, oh my gosh, I don't even recognize myself. That's what I love about the show is we kind of like video and audio document where we are, myself included. I go back to listen to shows like three years ago and just laugh at my background, myself, the interview style I had, how horrible I was, the audio equipment, all that stuff. So, um, okay, so um, catch, catch somebody up. Like, who are you guys, where do you live, and kind of what are some of the goals and plans that you have for the business right now? What's that look like? Yeah, sure. So uh, we are in the North Georgia market, and we basically rehab and wholesale our way into more passive income. And so we do it as a means to an end to acquire more rentals. And for years, that was long-term rentals. So this time a year ago, we were rehabbing and wholesaling to acquire passive income, to burr properties or sell to go acquire more desirable properties. And a year ago, we said, we've got to find a better performing property. All right. And so we basically dipped our toe in the water to short and midterm rentals. And we repositioned some of our portfolio and ended up acquiring six more doors this year. That's a mix between short and midterm rentals to basically 8.7x our um, passive income. Okay, that sounds pretty appealing. So what um, what happened? I, you know what? Let's back up even further. So I guess ah, it was a while ago, July 2019, you guys jumped into the runway program. Um, were you doing like a ton of deals at that time? And then how was your kind of projection gone over the past? Like that's almost three years ago now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like two and a half years ago. So what what does it look like for you guys um, for for your kind of growth? I just want to give people that are listening a background of um, have you been doing this for 20 years? Is this something relatively new to you? Uh, that kind of thing I think will help. 
When we started, um, if they go back and listen to that podcast, but that was right when we started Seven Figure, we had just done one flip. And that was the first flip that we had done. And then we ended up going to Seven Figure. We're like, we, we got to do this. Chad was telling me about it. And I'm like, we're not going to go all the way to California and listen to something like, do we really need to go do this? So we did. And um, we joined the group. And really, that has made our journey like we would not be where we are right now um, if it wasn't for that. But then... So fast forward, we ended up doing, um, we fixed and flipped. And like Chad said, it was all to acquire more. And I think that first year after the after doing one, the next year from joining Seven Figure, I think we were at like six or seven that we had flipped and wholesaled. And then um, this past year, we've done 10 deals, but it was also um, changing our whole portfolio into that short-term rental model, right? So we actually, we were basically, we f- we flipped these houses, we have them, got them ready and furnished six of them in a year. So we were doing one every other month is um, how we were getting them on. So we, at the very beginning, we probably were making about $1,000 for our long-term um rents that were coming in a month right and so we never looked at that that was never money coming into our pockets it was just going into an account this is money that when the ac breaks or whatever we've got it here um so realistically i think we started with eight doors the beginning of this year and now we have nine doors we haven't really changed any of that but the passive income has changed massively from going from the long term term to the short term and the midterm Okay, so you guys took, you had eight rentals, now you have nine. So did you take them and just shift them from the, the, the properties you owned from long-term rentals to just straight to short-term rentals? Is that what happened? No, we sold some. Yeah, so we actually had okay. six doors. Oh, oh, six. I'm sorry. We actually, we actually sorry. had six doors. We sold two. So we, we looked at our portfolio. We, we graded that portfolio. Uh, we found our lowest performers that, by happenstance, also had the greatest amount of equity. And so we sold those two off based off a hot seat in Cancun. <clears throat> That's kind of what the advice we had gotten. And we were already in the process of selling one off anyways. So <clears throat> we sold two. We redeployed that uh, capital into the acquisition of basically four short-term properties and a mid-term property that we converted over to a duplex. So we got two doors out of that. So it's four short-term doors and two mid-term doors. Plus retaining our four long-term doors. So our total portfolio looks like, you know, four long-term, four short-term, two mid-term for a total of 10 doors. Okay, that, that's, that's great. So I like, I like to see that because, you know, I, I've sold off a lot of my uh, long-term rentals. I, what I saw was um, some of the problems I was having is like, it, on paper it looked pretty good, but when I ran my numbers, like my returns, I was seeing somewhere around six to 8% returns. And that was for years that I didn't have to replace an air conditioner or roof or things like that without taking a ton of CapEx into account. And I just was like, I, I'm just so much smarter with my money now than I was before. And this, these returns just don't really excite me. If I was, and I'm, I'm a little bit impatient. So that's a little bit different with me because I, I, there is principal pay down. There's a lot of stuff that happens on these long-term rentals that a lot of people that are very bullish on them um, look back 30 years from now, the equity goes up, the, the note, they own it free and clear. There's a lot of security in that. I just look at the velocity of money and what I can do now and what I know now. And so I sold a lot. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm under contract to sell my last one um, recently. Do you remember who gave you that advice at Cancun? It was Nate. We gave it to him and he turned around and gave it right back to us. Nate Eccles. 
Ah, awesome. I just want to give a shout out to whoever it was so they know. Yeah. Like, um, that's awesome. So you guys recommended that to him and he recommended that to you. So isn't yes. it funny sometimes where we, we just like can't, we look in the mirror, but we can't see anything and uh, other people can just see right through us. It's, it's so funny. Um, that's why I, 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 my growth over the next year is going to be massive from joining another mastermind for myself. Like I know the last two years I've been looking for the perfect one. I haven't been able to find it. And then when my mentor opened the doors finally again after like three years closed, I, I was all in. So I, I think it's really important because when I go there, other people can see things that I don't. And it's funny because I can do the same for them. Like I can see stuff that they can't. So we can't, just kind of can't look in our blind spots. So Okay, why did you make this change? Um, it's like, what, what was the catalyst of this? Was it the same as me? Like you were just looking at ROI and just not making as much money? You, did you see other people making more money on short-term rentals? Like what made you make, take this jump? It was, we, it was kind of both. Yeah, it was both. We knew that the short-term rental market was you know, just a better performing property, much less passive, um, but it would basically add fuel to your fire. And We didn't know that. We're gonna well, keep correcting each other sorry. on this stuff. <laughs> long, long story short, we we got we got a burr opportunity in a uh, a good short term a, a regional de- destination in the in the North Georgia mountains, in the LJ Blue Ridge area. So we we had a realtor contact us on our property, said, "Hey, I've got a deal." We went up, we looked at it, we we picked it up, and we were gonna just burr it out for a long term. And we said, "Hey, we're in a good short term rental market. We've been talking about this. Why don't we just dip our toe in the water?" and I was very hesitant. Ashley was on board, thank God. You know, typically when I listen to Ashley, things work out better. But I was very hesitant because the North Georgia mountains, typically you want a mountain view, you want a log cabin, you want seclusion, or you want streamside, you know, or water, some water feature trickling through your property, a babbling creek or whatnot. This house had none of that. It was a stick-built house in a neighborhood, right? But it was five miles from downtown LHA, and it got you in the area. And so we rehab that we set it up for short-term rental we actually uh put it with a booking company that that, that takes a 10 percent booking fee and uh, because we thought that would be less passive and that happened mind you this is all january of last year so we're realistically we're talking about a year ago and um we got it all set up and so same thing happened in cancun another conversation a side note we were talking to um spencer and he told us to fire our property manager. And I looked at him and was like, Spencer, I just got this whole thing set up. Like, we had just furnished it. We just did everything. And that's a lot for the first one. Like, it almost is overwhelming. Yeah, this property we was like, live for... We just got it. It was live for a month. And he was like, you need to fire the property manager. And um, I know he was on, you know, uh, last week you had released that podcast. And he was talking about property managers and how we advocate to go ahead and self-manage. And he's, he's totally right. That next month, I went home, I fired them, and I had a full month where prior to that, we only had three bookings, right? So it was huge for us to be able to get rid of them and then to do it on our own um, and take so, that Yeah, over. Ashley basically took on management herself and has since built out you know her platform, her system, her processes, and now she's managing all four, term, all four of our short-term rentals. So can can you take me through that? Like, help me understand why the property manager wasn't doing a good job and what it took for you to do it better. It's on the first one. Take me back to the first one before you have systems and processes. Like, so that, that a lot of people might be listening to this, going, "Wow, you know, that's exactly right." Or this might be happening to me. Like, what was that like? And what did you have to do? And what did you kind of have to overcome to say yes to Spencer? So. <laughs> 
Well, it was one of those things. You got to do it, right? Everybody in this business, you just got to do it. So yeah. if somebody tells you to do something and you um, look up to that person and you see their business and they're killing it, you do it. You follow what they're doing, right? So we kind of just went home and I was like, I got to do this. So I fired them as soon as we got home, figured out what we needed to do. Wait, 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 wait. Let me back up. Let me back I know, up. I'm going to back up. <laughs> no, so, for me, like you, you, you said something there that's important, right? You said, but... Here's what happens. Somebody who's more successful than you, who's been doing this for a long time, says, you need to fire your property manager. And you, like, I know how that feels because you say, like, it's easy for you. You have a dozen properties or 15 properties and you have all the systems. Like, I have other stuff going on. I have a bunch of kids. I have other projects. Like, I don't have that stuff. It's okay where it is. Like, were you in pain that the property was not performing at all? Were you losing money? Like, what forced you to say okay to that? I will put it this way. This, this, this property was hinging on, the success was hinging on if we went down a different avenue of rentals or not, right? So if it did well, we were going to pursue more. If it, if it did not do well, we were probably going to clam back up, tighten up, and stay in our, what we knew, which was a long-term portfolio. And Spencer said, like it or not, you're now a management company. I said, Spencer, we have one door. He said, like it or not, you're now a management company. And so that kind of resonated with us. He said, go home. He said, Evolve is costing you money. Go home, fire them. You can manage better, right? You'll stay in tune with it. You'll learn that business because ultimately you're going to get more. You're going to see that this thing performs. You're going to get more and you're not going to want to pay 10% out, right? And on turnkey properties, you're not going to want to pay 25 to 35% out, right? You're going to want to keep that in-house. You're going to manage it yourself because you, if you can manage better than the average, that's going to that's going to make you more successful. And so we looked at the heart. You know, we looked at Ashton and I looked at each other that night. Like, well, that was the one one of the one takeaways that we were going to go implement in our business right now was go home, fire them. We will build out our own system and process for this, and that's what we did. And we could not be more happier. Okay, so so how did you do that? So Ashley, you came home, you fired them. So now I see this is the pivoting point. When you look back, you're like, wow, that changed everything, right? This is the total shift in direction of our business. And there's probably some people that are listening right now that are like, I, you know, I just don't, I don't know if short-term rentals are right for me. I've been listening to this series. They're making more money. It sounds great. But they might have something that I don't have, things like that. Like, and, and I don't want to be a management company because you said, like it or not, you're a management company now. Well, you had a short-term rental. But I don't have a short-term rental, and I don't want to become a management company. And I'll tell you. Perfectly selfish reason here. This is my problem. This is what holds me back, right? I don't want to deal with the management. And now I've, now I've, <laughs> this is my third episode that I've recorded, like back to back to back on it. And now I'm going, I, I feel like I could do this. It doesn't seem that hard. So, what did you do, Ashley, like exactly when you guys came home from Cancun, fired them? And then what did you have to do and how, how difficult was it? So, um, I'm going to back up just a little bit more because Evolve, like we had hired Evolve. We called a bunch of other property managers and they were that 25 to 35% and Evolve was 10%. So it was like, oh, this is awesome. It's only 10%. That's not bad. We can, we can do it that way. Right. So, um, just for any of those out there, like they're all equal. I mean, they're, they're not created equally. So if you're getting a 10%, you're only getting 10%. And basically all they were doing for that 10%. We still had some communication with the guests, but I wasn't getting any information on the guests. Like I wasn't getting their phone number, I wasn't getting their email, and that's important for um, return if you want them to come back and return to you. And so I, but I was still sending them, hey, welcome, thank you for booking with us. You know, I was still sending them some messages, 
And basically all they were doing was putting it out into all the different platforms for us and booking it. And they were, they say they use a pricing tool and they do, they used a pricing tool, but they set our bar up way um, too high for when we first came on. They were comparing our price, like our property with properties that had a view, they were on the water. And so um, I immediately went, like when I, took them off I had to go ahead and accept the reservations that were out there which was fine so we still um, let those reservations come in but I had to create a new um, account for our house on the platforms that we use so we're um, right now I'm on Airbnb and VRBO and so we put them on there and then I started managing them the key takeaway though you have to remember if you've been on Airbnb for like a year and you're going through like a management company, you do not keep any of those um, reviews. So you are starting over from scratch for that property. And that can hurt some people, but um, it'll pay for itself in the long term, right? It'll, it'll pay for itself. So if you're just getting started, go ahead and sign up and do Airbnb on your own. And then you can always decide if you wanna go to a management company or something like that later. Um, you can do that, but if you if you're like, oh, it's not that bad, I can keep doing it. Then you've already got your reviews and all of that stuff built up. And honestly, I've talked to so many people that have a short-term rental, and when they put it on, they're so excited about it. And you're proud of these properties, right? This is something else that Chad and I love about it. It's like you fix and flip, and you say bye to that property, and you never like see it again. And that's hard work that you just put into this. So now we're fixing and flipping, and we're keeping them. And I'm able to furnish them, and so many more people are able to enjoy these properties and see them. So it's exciting. And every time we get a review from somebody, and they're talking about how amazing your place is, like it makes you feel good. So it's it's um, very rewarding when you have somebody staying at your house and you're managing these. So you get to see all of that, and you get those rewards for it. Realistically, if you just do Airbnb's platform, or you set up a whole system for them, you can do it to where they automatically send messages, right? So if somebody books on your platform, they automatically get a message saying, hey, thank you for booking our place. We hope that you enjoy it. You know, let me know, go ahead and send me your information or whatever message that you wanna put in there. There's a lot of ways to make those messages automatic. So you're not constantly having to respond back to all these guests like you think you are. The only time you have to respond is if they're asking a specific question that you don't have in the information that you've already provided to them. Right, but otherwise, you're it's automatic, and so it's a lot simpler than what you would think. But you you still have to like hospitality. You still have to like. You are going to be dealing with the cleaners. You are going to be dealing with other people. So if you don't want to deal with any of that stuff, you can pay a property manager. You're just going to be paying thirty five percent of what your revenue is. And mind you, your revenue how about, how, over the past. Go ahead. The revenue isn't just your take-home revenue, it's, it's, it's the total revenue that that property performs at for that month. So many of our properties have you know, $1,000 to $1,200 worth of cleaning per month per property. So you're paying 35% on top of that. Makes sense? So, um, gross. yeah, it's, it's, it's your gross. So Airbnb and Verbo, they take the cleaning fee, it, it, they, they aggregate that, then, then they do the payout to you. So you're paying that 25 to 35% on that. We were paying the 10% on that, <clears throat> right, just as a booking channel. So, but, but Ashley actually has a, uh, a platform, an IGMS platform that actually goes and syncs the calendars and sends automated uh, messages to, 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 to handle the guest communications side of piece. Probably 80, 90% of it is automated. It's, it's a pain in the butt to go in and set it up the first time, but once you have it, it's there, you can tweak on and on. 
off and on, I think Ashley probably realistically spends an hour of property a week managing it. Mm, that's awesome. Hey, uh, so what I was going to ask is, if you lose all your reviews, um, so this, this and this, I, I think the same thing goes for if you buy another <laughs> property. Like, is there, if if I was doing this and I know that I'm taking it away from property manager, and I was just thinking about this as you're talking it through, and I know that I'm going to take over and lose all my reviews, um, I, I, what I would do, and I, you might know that not know the answer to this, but I would just screenshot all the reviews that I got before that, right? So like, I, I take them all before I remove it from the property manager. I take it all. And then I keep that in-house. I probably can't put it as a picture on Airbnb, but what I could do if I'm marketing it on my social media platforms or something like that, and I'm using that or even emailing it to friends or family or somebody who's inquiring about it, um, my first conversation is probably going to be, hey, I just took this property over. Here's all the reviews that I had for the last three years on this property when it was mine, but it was managed by a property manager. I want you to see that so you know that I, I am. Like, I'm just trying to think of a creative way to do that if I did have to take it away from a property manager, and that was my, my big hang-up. I'm sure you can't put it in as an image, like a picture of the front of your house and then the interior, and then it's like all three more pictures of screenshots of reviews that you had from previous. But, um, but I, I, I would, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to think of how I would market that property um, with, without losing all those reviews and, and things that people said about uh, me and, and my house, right? Because that happened when I, when I bought one. Um, that it got hit by a hurricane. I sold it. <laughs> it was kind of a disaster. Um, but. I, I took over and I didn't have any reviews. I had to build them up. And it was with a property manager, so I would lose all of that stuff. But it was my house. I owned it. I was running it. I was doing that stuff. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to lose those reviews. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, something for people yeah. to think about. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Huh? It's a great idea because a lot of people look on, like, Facebook. I mean, you get a lot of traction on Facebook. And there's other ways, too. Like, if you have a new one, you can share that house on Facebook and just ask your friends and family to heart it. And if they heart it, it puts it in their favorites and then that automatically moves up um, on the listing, right? In Airbnb, because so many people have favorited this house. So there's different ways, like reviews are not end all be all if you're taking them away and you have zero reviews, um, you can definitely build them up. Like we, we all have to, right? So. Um, but if you've already got some, that's a great idea yeah, to put them out there and show that you were. Say, say there's somebody out there listening and, and they say, you know what, I think I do want to fire my property manager. Um, we, we would probably say, hey, do what's right for you. It may be in your deck of cards. It may not be. But if, if, if you do decide to go down that road, um, wiping your slate clean from a, from a host status standpoint on these booking sites like Airbnb, they will give you a honeymoon period of, I believe it's 30 days. So if you have a new property that comes on and, and, and it will be new under a new host status. So. Take one that's got you know uh, uh, years of, of rental history on Airbnb. You remove it, you put, upload it as uh, under a different profile host. It's gonna it's gonna be considered new by Airbnb, and they'll give you a honeymoon period where they'll rank your property high. They'll kind of give you preferential treatment, right? Until to, to help generate some reviews. And once you get those reviews rolling, there's some tricks and that that you can do t tips and tricks on these sites to kind of keep them refreshed. Regularly, you know, go in there and change wording from fantastic to amazing, or swap out pictures. Do it on a. We know some people do it do it on a daily basis, but it helps the SEO of the ranking of your properties, not just in Airbnb, but also on like Google searches and stuff like that. So this is a world that we're just now kind of diving into because we're fixing to actually uh, create a website and start direct bookings. And so we're going to put in all of our houses, um, you know, cards to our direct site and start driving traffic to our direct site because 
the guests can get a deal because they're not paying a booking booking fee. We can get a deal because we can charge a little bit more, right? And it kind of creates a win-win. But um, you know, there's there's eight eight major booking channels. I think Airbnb is about 15% of the market. So if you're only on Airbnb, you're only in 15% of the market, right? You can go to some of the others. They're they're all about. There's three major ones like Bookings.com, Expedia, Verbo. Um, they're all about 14 to 17 percent, but then that direct booking piece is fairly larger. It's like 30, 40 percent, right? That normally comes with a more well-established uh, uh, booking agency, right, or a property management company, um, and it, it'll take a while to build that profile. But that's what me and Ashley are working on, you know, in in the next couple months is to is to get our online website built out and traffic driving there because Google is starting to take over some some of the searching. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's really important to think about. You mentioned the hospitality side, which is, is where you kind of sit in the short-term rentals, but also there's a marketing piece, right? Yeah. And so you have to become a marketer. And so I, I what I would do for me, if I think of this with my marketing hat on, it's like I've got my own listing. How do I go promote that in a lot of other places? So where where do people hang out that want to go to the uh, to the mountains by my place? Where or do people hang out that want to go down to Destin or Fort Walton Beach if I have places there, right? There, it, here in Nashville, there are so many people that travel down to like 30A and Destin and, and Pensacola and those kind of places because it's the closest beach. So I would be promoting my property in some of those Facebook groups and things like that. Like, especially if I had a direct booking link, it, I would want to try to become a marketer, figure out how to post in there, talk about it, um, share my stuff. Like a little bit of work goes a long way without having to drive all the traffic through Airbnb or VRBO or some of these places. So uh, I would like, I think you're a hospitality person and a marketer, right? And then you're also finding the properties and, and, and buying them and renovating them. So you've got the housekeeping business, you have a little bit of hospitality and, and marketing, um, which really everything is marketing and sales. Um, so think about that as you're going into it. I, I really like that. I, I, I saw Spencer's website. Um, I went on there when we were uh, before the podcast and after, and it's a really cool site. They have a lot of different places. If you look at the houses, they're insane. <laughs> they're yeah. absolutely amazing. I want to go there just to stay in one of those huge houses. And, uh, and so if he can drive more traffic to that, then he saves a ton of money, and, and it's just more net profit for, for you guys. Um, I want to I make a transition. So you guys, actually, before we do, you, have, you said you have four short-term rentals and two mid-term rentals. So talk about, like, can you define what that is? There might be some people listening who don't know what it is. Yeah, so a midterm rental is just anything over 31 days, but not quite a full 12 months like a typical long-term rental would be. Uh, for us, what that looks like is we do a lot of 90-day contracts with traveling healthcare professionals. So we actually found a property kind of strategically located between three or f- three or four main hospital campuses um, just north of Atlanta, and <clears throat> it. Ever since COVID, and even before, but but there, there's a big demand for traveling healthcare professionals, and they don't want to stay in a hotel, right? <clears throat> they may not have uh, a, a camper that they pull behind them and can get in a, an RV park. They they want to stay someplace that's furnished. So I mean, you can call it furnished rentals, whatever the case is. But we did we we uh, we talked to a couple people that were actually kind of flirting with that and and seeing some success. And Ash and I said, hey, that looks like a better performing rental, right? Because at the beginning of the year, we kind of set on a quest to find a better performing rental. And we, we, we ran into this. We actually found an MLS deal. You know, we don't run across many MLS deals, but we, we found an MLS deal for a 4-3. It was a terrible layout for a family. We ended up um, turning that 4-3 into a duplex. So we, put a, we, we segregated the, the top from the bottom. We made the top a 2-2 uh, with a common laundry room on the bottom. And we threw a, a kitchen in, in, the, in the other side of the utility room downstairs. 
and made that a 2-1. And so we rent that out to both those doors out, separate entrance, entrance and we rent those out to traveling health traveling healthcare professionals. We actually do, we partnered with what we're calling our property manager. Um, she's actually a good friend who's actually in this space already. She's not a formal business, but she knows the ins and outs of short-term rentals, most of, I'm sorry, of, of the midterms and traveling nurses. Most, most of that um, industry looks on furnishedfinder.com and they also look at Airbnb and Verbo, but most of our business comes from Furnished Finder. She's actually worked with the inroads of the county commissioners and also the uh, recruiters in these hospitals to say, hey, I, I have housing, right? We need these professions coming through our counties. I have housing. And so she's getting some direct bookings and also some, some traction through Furnish Finder to keep, you know, traveling healthcare professionals in your properties. The good thing is it's for, you know, typically 90 day contracts. And we, ha we have plenty of that extend because, you know, as these hospitals get a good candidate through that they want to keep, they start, you know, ask them, hey, extend, extend, or, or possibly come on full-time type of thing. At that time, they ended up leaving and renting elsewhere, but you're able to furnish you know, that your, your house for 30 days, and you're not turning it over every three or four days. It's it's every 90 days. Well, and, and something to add on top of that, Bill, we did that at this house because um, it's in a county that does not allow short-term rentals. And so short term is under 30 days. So midterm, you can do it, you can charge more, and it's a three months, um, if not extended to six months kind of stay. So yeah, to put, it, to put it in perspective, this house would have rented for probably 2000 give or take, from a long-term standpoint. And we're able to charge about 36, 3700 for it total now. We have to furnish it, and we have to float the utilities but still, it's, it's, it's cash flow on probably eight to a thousand more than it would have otherwise. Per unit. So really like double what you were getting and looking at before, you know? So, yeah. so you would have done a short-term rental on this property if you were, if you were able to do it. But since, um, so if there's an HOA limitation or uh, short-term rentals defined by counties or cities or these different regulations, um, this could be another uh, great option as opposed to long-term rentals. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in a little bit more details on this. It's got me interested. So what do the logistics look like? You got somebody on furnished, I think it's furnishedfinder.com you said. And, and so um, from there, do you actually have to sign a 90-day lease? What does that paperwork look like? Because with Airbnb, I think all that stuff's kind of handled with their contract. So what does it look like if somebody finds that there? Um, are you actually writing a lease? What, is that, what do they get? We do. We have a lease that we do, and basically it was a long-term lease that I ended up changing the wording and stuff down to a monthly um, a nine, lease, a and so contract. we do it for three months. And so they sign that. We do a phone conversation with the nurses. We, we ask that ours is specifically for nurses, right? It's a top and bottom unit. And so um, th this doesn't just go for nurses. Midterm mid furnished rentals, you actually need it for people that have a house that burnt down, right? You need it for, and they need insurance or whatever. So insurance companies also need to know, real estate agents need to know that you have a furnished house because if they have a client that just sold on their house and they have a month before the other house is ready, they need to go somewhere. So there's a big demand for this um, besides nurses. We have kind of geared ours towards the nurses because it's a top and bottom, and we don't want some a family coming in that has a kid, and then you have a nurse that's on, like, night duty or something, right? So 
um, we we did that specifically for that, and we it's less wear and tear if you don't have a huge family coming in. So we kind of we did those um, specific, but ours is just on furnished finders. There's other people in the group that do have it on Airbnb and some other other websites. There's tons of websites out there. Um, Chad mentioned the person that we have that helps us with that one. She knows the hospitals. We have like four hospitals. They, the hospital needs to be within a 30-minute drive of your place. Yeah, okay? if, if they're on so, call, they need to be within a 30-minute commute with, of that hospital. Within 30 minutes. So we have about four within this house that's within 30 minutes. And so she... Um, she knows like who to call and talk to in these hospitals. And we actually just helped somebody else get set up with one of these. And he's like, who do I call? I've been calling, they haven't been answering. I'm like just get your first nurse in there and then talk to them when they get in. They're gonna be there for three months in your place. And when they come in, they look at your house. Hey, who's the contact at this hospital that I need to let know that I have a furnished rental? Like the first month to get that nurse in might take you two or three weeks because you might get your house on on the first and people are, they're looking ahead of time. So you might not catch a nurse until they're going to be moving in on the 15th, right? So don't expect like with a short-term rental, we normally can get it on and it's probably going to be booked that weekend. Like there's last minute people booking all the time with the, with the nurses and stuff and with those long-term or midterms, they're usually looking in advance unless it is like an insurance claim or something and they need to, you know, immediately move in somewhere. But, um... So it might you might need to give yourself a couple of weeks of breathing room before you actually get somebody in there. But then typically the nurses know within a month and a half of working at that hospital if they're going to want to extend or if the hospital wants them to extend. So you have another, once they've given you that notice, you have a month and a half to find the next person that's going to come back in. We normally allow like two to three days. And that two to three day time frame allows us to get in there. We have somebody that comes in and cleans the house for us. And then we do any repairs or like the bug man comes and sprays or um, anything that we need to do. We, we do it in that two to three day. So you do have a little bit of um, a vacancy there. And some people are like, well, you know, if you had that vacancy takes away the income. We, we personally allow pets because a lot of nurses travel with pets. Um, they don't like to be by themselves. We And we make sure that they are going to come and let the pet out during the week or, I mean, during the day, or they have, like, some actually a family member or whoever. they got to have, they got to take care of the pet. The pet can't be sitting in the house all day long. But we charge a non-refundable pet um, fee. And so that non-refundable pet fee ends up paying for that two or three days that the house is vacant. So realistically, we're not losing out on any vacancy um, because of that fee that we charge. Yeah, and I know we're bumping up on time, but kind of what got us perked here was we know Nancy. Nancy's our property manager. We've kept in contact with her. We sold a house for her. Ashley did. She said, guys, I want you to look at traveling nurses. I just bought a camper. I stuck it in my driveway. I have a hookup to my septic, and a power ran out there to it. I'm renting it out for 1100 bucks a month. My camper payment's 289 and me and Ashley looked at each other and said, wow, her camper's outperforming five of our rentals. This is prior to us, like, having the short-term rentals going, period, yeah. right? And I'm looking at <laughs> what, him like, what we, are we doing? <laughs> we totally are messing, we're missing the boat. So this is, she and another couple were, like, the main drivers for us doing the midterms and the short-term stuff. Like, they really were like, you guys need to get on this bandwagon. Um, and so that's what we started doing. I love it. I think this is really actionable stuff and, and great tips for people that are looking and analyzing properties and saying, I can't find any deals right now, like in today's market. You bought one off the MLS, threw it up, uh, and got creative, right? Split it into basically two, two units 
uh, rented out, making twice as much as you would on a long-term rental, and made a deal work today in today's market that, that other people are passing on. So uh, I think this is just uh, hopefully a huge light bulb moment for a lot of people that are listening. Um, I do want to take the time that we have left to talk about something we haven't talked about with the other folks, and it's furnishing these properties. So if you can just give us like your best tips, tricks, maybe where you shop for this stuff, what you look at, what kind of stuff you put in there, what don't you put in there, because it's something we haven't touched on in the previous two episodes. Yeah, so I'll start, and Ashley's going to correct me on some of this stuff. But we try to furnish these properties like it's furnishing our house, right? People are coming here, in our opinions, for the short terms, uh, the experience that the area's going to provide them, and then sleep and kitchen. That's what you're offering over a hotel, right? Experience, sleep, and kitchen. And so we put decent bedding and mattresses in our properties. We actually got some mattresses off of Walmart in a box that so far everybody's ranting and raving about. But the trick we do, and actually came up with this, is we actually put a one-inch uh, memory foam topper on top, right? And we do decent, we, we put on like $70 sheets from, from Kirkland, uh, Kirkland brand from Costco, right? No, they're not, they're, they're Amazon, they're not Costco. See, correction number five of the, <laughs> and, um, and, and typically we're getting our, we, we try to do metal bed frames. Yeah, they might wiggle loose, I mean, um, but we try to get a decent sturdy bed frame because we all know what happens in short terminal bedrooms. And so we try to put in a decent frame there. Um, we basically, um, moving over to the kitchen, uh, we do a good block of knives. Like we'll put a Jay Hinkle's set of knives in there. We'll do um, Costco or, or a Cafalon set of cookware. We do Walmart uh, plates. We actually put in three or four different types of cups. We put in cups for children, like plastic non-breakables, and like the little four square divided kids uh, plates. We'll put in you know plastic wine and drinkware if they go out to the fire pit. We actually have glass stemware in there as well. Um, but we don't get too crazy with it, right? I mean, this is kind of where we save some money. As we go to Walmart, we buy our, our dishware and stemware from there. Um, from a furniture standpoint, that one's been tough, right? Because if you go to some of the big box stores, Ashley, Rooms to Go, um, a lot of that stuff is three, four months out. Well, this past year, we didn't, we didn't have three, four, five months went on furniture, so we relied on Wayfair. You get what you pay for. We were buying $500 couches. Yes, they were showing up, but we are in the process of replacing every one of them right now. So what we have been doing is going to uh, some consignments and getting some consignment furniture. And we know a couple people in the area that do, you know, reclaimed furniture or um, re restored. So we'll get some old Roy Hill stuff that's well built from the 80s, but they'll put a new shabby chic spin on it, right? And we'll go put that in there and we'll still come out cheaper than we go to Ashton to get the cardboard stuff. And so it, that's- It all goes back to your style, Bill. Like, so it's kind of a loaded question. Um, some people are okay with it being like a college room and you have crappy furniture. We've stayed at Airbnbs that have crappy furniture and I feel like they're going to, you know, you sit on the couch and it's just like, it's just not comfortable. So for Chad and I, when we were doing these, we were like, we want them to be, I say they're luxury. Chad says they're not because we're not like expensive. We don't have, you know, 55 people staying in these, but they're luxury in regards to, we do have $70 sheets. We do have really nice towels. We do have really sharp knives. Um, that's one of the biggest complaints I have when I go to an Airbnb is I use their knives and I can't cut a cucumber with it because they're the Walmart um, knives, right? So we try to um, we, we spend more on furniture than a lot of other people do. I think it's like some people will tell you, oh, it's about 5,000 a bedroom. If you have a three bedroom house, it should be around 15,000. And that's probably about where we're at. Um, 
and we might be a little bit above that, right? We just, we didn't want the furniture that was going to fall apart. We want the furniture that's going to actually be able to last for five or 10 years with these houses. And the same with the couches. We bought the Wayfair couches, which they've been fine. The one has been in the house for about a year. And I went in there the other day and I was like, uh, nope, it's already start. Like I can start to see the wear and tear on it. So that's why we replaced it. So it lasted us a year. And then I, we replaced it with something that we found from like a really nice consignment shop that was a lot nicer and it's a lot more comfortable. I have had people sit on another Wayfair couch that we have in one of the other cabins. And she's like, I sat on the floor because this couch is hard. You know, so like we've just not had a good experience with that. Um, you could probably buy the higher end Wayfair stuff and it'd be fine. I now buy from stuff from Wayfair. It's like my rugs and my, um, I will buy like the stools and stuff, but I don't buy the dressers or the beds or anything like that, that I want some actual good quality. So it, it again, it goes down to your taste, but we tried to do above, I want them to, I want them to be able to have a steak dinner at our house for Valentine's Day if they want to or to have like a really nice Christmas and they have everything that they need. So we go above and beyond on the kitchen and um, the bedding stuff. Yeah, and it's rewarding when you get those reviews that say, hey, this kitchen was fully stocked for once. I didn't feel like I was roughing it in the kitchen, right? So things like that go a long ways and it just helps reassure us or, or confirm that, yeah, that's, that's probably the route we personally wanna go with our Airbnbs is to furnish them with, I would say best bang for the buck to better so best bang for the buck to better so middle of the road quality to, 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 to better is kind of where we try to stay there you know what i'm hearing is uh you guys are furnishing your places the, in place like kind of the way that you want to stay right so you obviously want to attract people like you right so the people that you want to rent your places are interested in the things that you're interested in they like the stuff that you like they they care like when you go stay in an airbnb you want something like that that you would want and I think that's really important. If you know who your customer is and you know who your client, know who your avatar is, then you can build it out and, and reverse engineer what you're trying to design. Don't do it the other way around. Like, who is the person you're trying to attract? If you're trying to attract really crappy people that don't care about the, the fact that um, the, the furniture is junky, it's, it, all of that such, figure out who you want to bring there and, and, and what kind of decisions do they make when they look at the stuff? What does it look like? And then where can you go get those things? The other thing I heard was it's kind of like an investment, right? Your, your furniture is an investment. It's about how long is it going to last? Mm -hmm. uh, because a year from now, it's not worth anything. The cardboard is the press board furniture that you got is going to be broken. It's going to have to get thrown out. It's not getting resold. I had like Drexel dresser growing up, stuff like that. Like I still have it. And it's lasted me like 20 years. I've moved it 18 different times. And I could probably resell it for, for an amount of money that isn't, isn't what I paid for it, but I paid like $1,000 for the dresser. I can probably sell it for three or $400 now because it's real wood, it's sturdy, it's a, it's a name that's been around for a really long period of time and everybody knows it. So um, there is something to be said for all of that. So I think if you go cheap, you're just gonna be spending that money over and over from what I hear. And if you spend a little bit extra money, it might be a good investment up front because it lasts you longer. You don't have those kind of expenses down the road. And then you may, it may even be worth something when you sell the house, you can sell the furniture too. So uh, probably some things to think about. And um, I know we gotta wrap up, but Chad, I have a question for you before we end. Um, what does happen in short-term rental bedrooms? You said that you, <laughs> we all know what happens. Like, what is it that happens in there? <laughs> You know, I'll leave that up to the imagination, right? But uh, 
All right, I figured I'd put you on the spot and uh, just have a little fun. Uh, Hey, I I really enjoyed this conversation. Like, there's a lot of things here, like huge takeaways, um, tips, tricks. The fact that you turned a four-bedroom, three-bath into a 2-2-2-1 duplex, um, the midterm rentals with uh, traveling nurses and things like that, and then actually where to find those people, where to market that. Um, Same thing for, like, self-managing, the whole journey. It's, I mean, this is really good stuff. There's a lot of things in here that we haven't talked about on the past two shows. And it just goes to show that everybody, like everybody in this world has a little bit different strategy and different things going on. And, and if you open your eyes, you can see the opportunity that's, that's coming. And I love the one quote that you guys had that was like, we don't, we, we don't, we feel like we're going to miss it. We don't want to miss it. And you guys are kind of like jumping on this, like gra- taking advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you right now. And uh, don't watch everybody do it and just keep your long-term rentals and Say, I, you know what, I'm okay with making half the money I could make that everybody else is. So taking that advice, running with it, taking action, shifting the business, shifting the business model, all the stuff that you guys have done, really, really impressive. Um, are you guys looking forward to Spencer's um, like short-term rental training inside the Altitude Group? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, every, every time we call that, it blows our mind. I'm waiting right? on an email of when it's going to start. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's this month. It's, it's in February, so uh, I know that we've been talking about it. Becca's running with it with the team. Um, we got Andy doing his financial training right now. Um, we got some really cool stuff coming up. So um, I'm excited for that. Spencer and I talked offline a little bit about it. He's got some really cool things planned. Um, so if you're out there listening and you want to do some more short-term rental stuff, um, we're definitely bringing um, some content and strategy with Spencer. Spencer, and then there's going to be other people like um, Chad and Ashley and other folks inside the mastermind group that are doing this that will be adding value and, and, and jumping in on that conversation. It's something that we know the direction that other people's businesses are going, and we want to make sure that we can provide the content strategy and, and help along the way inside the group. So uh, if it's something you're interested in, I would love to see you guys fill out an application. You go to sevenfigurealtitude.com, fill out an application, join us on that training, jump into the mastermind group, um, and then hopefully you get like a hot seat room just like they did in Cancun where everybody's telling you what you should be doing that you can't even see on your own. So, uh, hey, before we go, how can, like, how can anybody, like, what do you want to talk about? How can they find out more about you? Um, how can I help you on the podcast? Is it, like, your direct booking link that you guys have, you're, you're working on? Um, your short-term rentals? Do you guys need money? Like, what's your 30-second commercial at the end of the show? Yes, we need money. <laughs> Everybody needs money, right? No, um, I mean, we are, we're looking to grow the short-term rental stuff and, Definitely, if anybody is wanting to get into that and do it as a passive, that's that's really the way you do it, is passive through the money end of it. Um, we are also working on the direct platform um, for the rentals, but I don't have that set up just yet. So that's all in the works, and maybe we can send it over to you yeah, for the and, notes. And I would argue we're also building out our management company, right? So we know that inherently there's going to be people come to us and say, hey, we like y'all's man- management style. You're professional. You know what you're doing. You understand this business. We want you to manage our rentals. So if there's anybody listening in the North Georgia, you know, market that may want to reach out to us, you could probably contact Ashley. She's 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 the brains behind this at uh, results that move at outlook.com. So um, results that move at outlook.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. And uh, we're both we'll, on Facebook. Yeah, too. we're both on Facebook. Reach out to us. We can uh, try to help however we can. Awesome. I love that Chad gave out Ashley's email address. Like, I'm not going to ask for permission for this, yeah. but uh, here you go. I don't have to answer all these. So, uh, hey, I've had a lot of fun with you guys over the past couple of years. It's been amazing to get to know you, see you, your success, and how actively you give back to the community. I really appreciate that. And coming on here, sharing some of your secrets, your tips, and your tricks, it means a lot to me. Thank you. Um, 
and I can't wait to see you guys soon in, I don't know, like two months down in Cancun. So uh, on, on the next hot seat. So uh, thanks for being here. And for everybody who's listening, we'll see you on the next show. Bye. Thanks, thanks gang.